This is WPPMLP, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You're now listening to the Talking Machine Hour. I'm David Atlas, here with a very special guest this evening, my friend and fellow 78 RPM record collector, Michael Buffalino. Michael, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I should say welcome back. It's wonderful to have you back again. Yes, and it's great to be back. And thank you for bringing with you this lovely stack of shellac from your personal collection to share with all our listeners out there. Yes. Um, so I think we just heard George Olson and his music. Yes, that was George Olson and his music, Lucky in Love, recorded on August 8th, 1927. And uh, that was originally written for the Broadway production Good News, which gave us such um, other hits like uh, The Best Things in Life for Free. I feel like there might have been more from Good News, actually. That seems like a familiar title um, to me. Yeah, it was actually a pretty popular uh, Broadway review. And I don't know if if you're if you watch Mad Men religiously. I did. Okay. Um. So the scene where Burt Cooper comes back as a ghost. Yes. And he does that. Th- that's the best things in life for free. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice tie-in there, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> nice twenty uh, first century tie-in exactly. to uh, uh, what mid nineteen twenties uh, musical stage show. Right. Anyway, uh, we've got a lot of tunes here to get to tonight. Uh, uh, you brought quite a pile with you. So. I did. I'm going to quit yammering and we'll put on another record. Okay, very good. Thank you. 
that's a pretty popular tune there. Yes, it is. Uh, that was Kitten on the Keys by the Reezer Trio. Show-offs. Yes. Well, of course, it's uh, Harry Reeser, who would later go on to lead the uh, Clico Club Eskimos. And he Did was, he? Yes, he was one of the uh, best uh, banjo players in jazz in the 1920s and 30s. Yeah, and I think he was even recording a decade before then, if not earlier, because I believe I have a number of uh, cylinders um, with, with Reiser on them. Or I, Reiser, even, I should say. Uh, I didn't even know that he banjo recorded Banjo solos. I'm, maybe uh, I'm mixing him up. Mm. But, hmm... Very nice there, him showing off, doing the kitten on the keys with the strings over there. Absolutely. And I hear the banjo is pretty hard to play, no less. I, I've, I've never tried it. I've, I've actually never tried any stringed instrument, so. Well, it's never too late to pick one that's, up. That, that's quite true. <laughs> uh, li- uh, literally. <laughs> uh, coming up next, it looks like we've got uh, the so-called king of jazz. Yes, Paul Whiteman and his orchestra. This is uh, Acoustic Batwing from uh, July 25th, 1924. Whiteman and his orchestra there on a Victor 78 from 1924, an acoustic pressing, and gosh, nice and clean sounding 
like it was recorded yesterday. I know. I picked that up in very good condition. In it was actually in a album of seventy eights al- already. Um, so it's actually one of the reasons why that doesn't have its own little paper sleeve, ah. <laughs> like all the rest of them. <laughs> Very nice. So I'd like to inform our listeners we're actually using one phonograph this evening, only one Victrola here instead of two. Um, so I'm over here winding it up and changing the needles in between tunes, which gives us plenty of opportunities to uh, talk about how great some of these records are that Michael's dug up. So uh, any good like finds recently in Philly? I mean, um, I, to be honest, I really haven't looked. The last time uh, that I did some serious searching for uh, records when was when I was in um, Adamstown, Pennsylvania, um, actually earlier this year. Okay, yeah, there's yeah. a dealer over there in one of those. Yes, at, um, I believe it's uh, Renninger's, and mm-hmm. um, I pretty much spent all my money there. <laughs> <laughs> money well spent, if you ask Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Where else are you going to find tunes like this on 100-year-old shellac? Exactly. Thank you. 
Ah, so that was By the Light of the Stars by Jan Garber and his orchestra. Who could possibly ever forget? Ah, yes. And um, if you'll notice, there was a difference uh, definitely in sound between the, the record we just heard and the one that we heard before that. I certainly, I realized I made a little sin after our agreement before the program. (laughs) I'll let you tell the listeners what that was. Well, um, the difference is, is um, that Paul Whiteman record, Lonely Little Melody, that was, um, that was an acoustic record. By the Light of the Stars, that's actually the earliest electric record that I own. And it's on the Victor Batwing label still, because they didn't change over until a few months later. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what was interesting was that Victor was putting out electrically recorded records um, months before they had actually announced that they were going to be bringing out the new phonographs that were specifically designed to play them. So what you got were records that sounded much more lifelike. Um, the sound was less tinny, you could hear the individual instruments more, and the bass just came through so much more. And the new um, photographs that were designed to play them, the new orthophonic machines that Victor called them, um, it it almost sounds like they plug in. It's it's incredibly lifelike. I really, it really was a sweet spot for uh, musical recording. I mm-hmm. think those years between twenty five and uh, thirty, I would say, it's absolutely like the choice mm-hmm. choice point. Good stuff. Well, thank you. Well, this next one's a little bit earlier here. Yes, it is. And it's a pretty famous song uh, that, I mean, people nowadays would actually recognize it. Um, And here we are. Hey, Mariana, 
You got an old banana? Why, just a minute. He's no believe what I say. Now, what do you want, mister? You want to buy 12 for a quarter? Well, just one minute. I'm going to call her my daughter. Just one minute. Ariana, you got a pia? Yes, no, no, banana. Yes, no. We got no bananas today. Take a walk. No bananas. Well, you did it, Michael. I did it. We went there. We did. Um, but but we have to remember it was from the uh, 1922 production of Make It Snappy, originally written for Eddie Cantor, but in this case sung by uh, Harry Blake. Um, And I tried looking up information on this guy, and there wasn't much that I could find besides the fact that he was a singer in the uh, early 20th century. So we don't, it wasn't a pseudonym. Nope. Like every other record that I've ever touched. Nope. (laughs) It's a great song, though. I mean, it is a little infectious. It looks like bananas are are kind of about to go the way of running boards, if you will. I hope not. There's a a major, you know, an issue with... uh, the imminent death of the bananas. So I did. Been, I did read about that, and of course, white. the bananas that they had in 1923 when that was recorded are different from what we're eating nowadays. Everybody who I know who had the old bananas says they were a lot better. So. Yeah. Well, they were sweeter for one thing. Yeah. Mm-mm. So next we have coming up, which is actually on the same record label, the uh, Pathé Actuel label, which was their uh, label for laterally recorded records rather than vertically recorded records, is Gulf Coast Blues. Now, were these the same records that were issued on the other um, vertical recordings, or are they the same recordings they dubbed, or were they different recordings altogether? I believe that they are different altogether. Yeah, I've I've found in some cases that these Pathés were also released on like Velvet Tone and Dime Store labels, the same cuts. That's that's another thing that I encounter too. Just makes me go cross-eyed when I'm trying to research this stuff. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But anyway, here we are. Gulf Coast Blues on the Talking Machine Hour here on WPPM 106.5 with my guest, Michael Bufalino. Tell the world 
What do you know about that artist, Michael? Well, Genevia Scott uh, was originally, uh, she was born in Philadelphia in uh, 1900 and uh, made her way to New York in uh, 1920. It was actually part of the Harlem Renaissance. Wow. Uh, so when she made that record in uh, 1923, that was actually a uh, very young H- uh, Fletcher Henderson accompanying her on the piano. Beautiful. I love that one. Very nice. <laughs> and I've never heard of her, so... Uh... Yeah, apparently um, she had a career through the 20s and 30s, and honestly, I wasn't aware of her either until I bought that record. Good find there, and thank you for sharing it. Thanks. I'm looking for more of her stuff now. Uh, So now we have a totally different uh, type of blues by a totally different artist, (laughs) and in the electric era. Just as blue, Lord, 
as I can be. And that woman's got a heart like a rock has in the sea. Or else she would not went so far from me. I said a black-headed woman make a freight train jump a track. I said a black-headed woman make a freight train jump a track. But a brown-haired gal make a preacher ball the jack. I said a blonde-headed woman make a good man leave the town. I said a blonde-headed woman make a good man leave the town. But a red-headed woman make a boy slap his papa down. Said a blonde-headed woman make a farmer leave the farm. I said a blonde-headed woman make a farmer leave the farm. But a red-headed woman is a woman who does the harm. And as we say on the Talking Machine Hour, you don't have to be creepy to like creepy music, but it doesn't hurt. I know that's right. My man, Eddie Cantor over there, right? Uh, no, actually, uh, Rudy <gasps> Valley. Oh, gosh, Rudy Valley, of course. But same vein. But same vein. I got so taken away by that. Well, what's interesting about that record is uh, that's actually the B-side to his more famous uh, Main Stein song that was uh, top of the ah. charts for a number of weeks, 1930. I think I may have a copy of that floating in my collection somewhere. Well, there you go. What a good, a nice B-side there by by Mr. Valley. Yeah, you know, you have to admit there's something a little haunting about his recordings. Oh, absolutely. And I guess he was just sort of playing off of the new microphone gimmick of being able to, like, be soft and and Oh, he was. And the women ate it up. He was, he was, he he was kind of like a teen idol in, in the 1920s. Yeah, I guess, you know, I guess he was a, a, a bit of a looker in his younger years. Oh, he wasn't bad to look yeah. at. No, no, not at all. I'm, I know my grandmother was a fan, so. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of our grandmothers and great-grandmothers were. What a guy. Yes. So I have to say, just looking at this next record, uh, you can leave this one with me, because it looks like a goodie. I don't want to give it away to our listeners, All right. so we'll just we'll just play it, and hopefully it's as good as it looks. Okay. Uh, yeah. Winter, you hung around. 
feel homeward bound. Blackbird, blackbird, I gotta be on my way where the sunshine galore. Pack up all my care and woe, here I go singing low. Bye, bye, blackbird. Where somebody wait for me, sugar sweet, but so is she. Bye, bye, blackbird. No one here can love and understand me. Oh, what hard luck stories they all hand me. Make my bed, light the light. I'll arrive late tonight. Blackbird, bye bye. Bluebird, bluebird, calling me far away. I've been longing for you. Bluebird, bluebird, what's that I hear you say? Oh, the skies are turning to blue. I'm like a flower that's fading here, where every hour is one long tear. Bluebird, bluebird, this is my lucky day. Now my dreams will come true. Paid my debt, packed my bag on my trunk. There's a bag. Bye, bye, Blackbird. I won't wait to catch no train. I'll just hop right in an airplane. So bye, bye, Blackbird. Let a million bluebirds start a humming. Tell my dear old mammy I'm a coming. Make my bed and light the light, then I'll say nighty-night, blackbird, bye-bye. That's what I call a smooth finish. Oh, yes. Uh, mm. From June of 1926, that was Gloria Greer, but actually uh, Vaughn DeLeith, um with the pseudonym, so she could uh, record for the Cameo uh, record label. So that was a acoustic record, correct? Um, that's a good question. I mean, it sounds like it should be a- acustic, and they were probably using older equipment. I yeah, what, was Cameo a uh, one of the dime store labels? Yeah, they or were a dime I... store label. Okay, because um, I get them mixed up. Yeah, so there was, you know, Cameo, uh, Perfect, Melatone, Velvet Tone, and unfortunately, they used older equipment. So even though it is in the electric era, it's still an acoustic recording. And Harmony Records, who can forget? Exactly. Um, I believe a, uh, I believe that they used uh, Columbia's old equipment. Yeah, I believe Columbia built a a state-of-the-art facility in, Mm -hmm. like, 1925, right Mm -hmm. as Victor started releasing electrical recordings, and they were like, what are we going to do with this now? Um, But they sound really great for acoustics, so you wouldn't even know the difference. Oh, they do. Here's (laughs) one of them, right? Yes.
So that was Let Us Smile Be Your Umbrella on a Rainy Day by the Broadway Bellhops, recorded in December of 1927. So I did have to do a little Googling on the Broadway Bellhops while Uh, we listened. And what did you find? Well, I'll give you two guesses. Well, um, you probably found the cornet player, (laughs) uh, Big Spiderbeck, who recorded with them. Only on two sides, apparently. Ah, okay. But, um, yep, Sam Lannon organized them. He was pulling the strings behind every single one of these little, you know, dime store bands that I've seen. Yes. And a lot of uh, interesting people played for the Broadway bellhops over over the years. Is that so? Yeah, including uh, Frankie Trumbauer, Frank Signorelli, uh, Philadelphia's own Joe Venuti on the violin, Red Nichols, and Miff Mole. Well, how about that? Where did you... uh... The internet? Is that where you did your research, or do you have the books? Mm, mostly the internet at this okay. point, although okay. I, did, I did start off with books. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who are just tuned in, you're listening to the Talking Machine Hour here on 106.5 WPPM Community Supported Radio. I'm your host, David Atlas, here with my friend, Michael Buffalino, who's brought a stack of shellac 78 RPMs from his personal collection to share with all of you listeners out there in Radioland. Uh, we've got another acoustic record coming up next from uh, my favorite local music provider, the Victor Record Company of Camden, New Jersey. And looking at the label on this, it probably could have been from the era of Camden Recordings as well. Yes, this was um, from about 1908. All right, well, let's give it a listen. Thank you. 
What a rag it is. Yes, that was the Persian lamb rag by Vess L. Osman. You know, I think maybe earlier I said that um, Harry Reiser was a prolific banjo artist in the cylinder realm, and I think that maybe it was Osman that I was thinking You of. might have been thinking of him, yes. He was uh, quite the ragtime player. Indeed, on a Victor record there yes. as well. Sounding great for 99 years. I, wish I, I know, really. <laughs> I sound that good when I'm... <laughs> pushing a century i hope i'm around when i'm pushing a century Something missing, we'll have lots of kissing pie and my hand left me all 
ladies and gentlemen, poison doesn't always come in bottles. And it isn't always marked with the skull and crossbones of danger. Poison can take the form of words and phrases and acts. The venom of racial and religious hatred. Here in the United States, perhaps more than ever before, we must learn to recognize the poison of prejudice and to discover the antidote to its dangerous effects. Evidences of racial and religious hatred in our country place a potent weapon in the hands of our enemies, providing them with the ammunition of criticism. Moreover, group hatred menaces the entire fabric of democratic life. As for the antidote, you can fight prejudice, first by recognizing it for what it is, and second by actively accepting or rejecting people on their individual worth, and by speaking up against prejudice and for understanding. Remember, freedom and prejudice can't exist side by side. If you choose freedom, fight prejudice. I'll second that from Mr. Vincent Price. Absolutely. Voices from Beyond. Yes. Ah, so that was, um, that last figure we heard was All Alone, sung by Ada Jones and Billy Murray, um, recorded in uh, April of 1911, so one year before the Titanic. Wow. Yes, and uh, rather suggestive for the ragtime era. You know, she's yeah. uh, they're they're on the telephone, and uh, it sounds like uh, they'd like some company. It's the telephones, man, and today it's the same thing. The cell phones uh, are where the trouble's at. Exactly, it hasn't changed in a hundred years. Exactly, I, I love that she says uh, he's he's an extravagant boy for wanting to take a taxi. <laughs> and oh oh no, and and just hop in an airship. Yes. Cause... Well, you know, <laughs> I have wondered about like how common taxis were in 1910 and 1911 in the first place. Not very. I mean, right. I mean, consider the Model T Ford was only 1908, so cars were not. I mean, they really exploded in in the teens into cities. Fascinating. Um, yes. Yeah, because telephones and taxis. I think I, I played a record on the show a few weeks back called Taxi, which is pretty cute. But mm-hmm. I think it's also from the early teens. And I was like, man, I didn't realize that there were taxis running around that early. Oh, yes. But how about that? Mm. My how time flies. And it does even tonight because it looks like we're pretty much we've got time for one more record here. Okay. Um, so what's going to take us out tonight, Michael? Well, uh, Don Bester and his orchestra uh, say, Mr. Have You Met Rosie's Sister? Uh, from March of uh, 1926, so well into the electric era. That's a pretty novel title, so I imagine it's going to be a pretty novel tune. It's it's awfully fun. And uh, I'd like to thank you for coming back onto the program, finally. Well, thank you for having me. It's a thrill to have you again, and thank you for bringing such wonderful selections to share with me and our listeners this evening. Thank you. And I'd like to have you back sometime soon. I think um, maybe uh, some of our listeners might have seen you out uh, and about on the Schuylkill this past summer at the uh, uh, the Jazz Age. Oh, or... yes. It was Jazz Age on the Delaware at the uh, Glen Ford Mansion in Torresdale. And uh, my friend Eric and I did a uh, demonstration of uh, 1920s dinner etiquette. That's pretty far out. It was it was I, it was pretty fun. <laughs> I'd be interested to see how uh, how things might have changed in the etiquette realm. A lot. Yeah, I I, I bet <laughs> that's true. Well, hopefully you'll be doing it again next year, and I'll have a, a heads up and uh, be able to give our listeners a heads up as well, so we can Absolutely. all uh, learn how to set a proper 1920s table and dine there accordingly. Yes. But anyway, thanks for bringing the tunes tonight. Well, you're very welcome. 
Um, pleasure having you and thanks to everybody out there in radio land for tuning in i'd just like to remind you all that you can find recordings of this program if you're a podcast subscriber on itunes or anywhere else you find your podcasts or from my website stereoatlas.com find me on facebook and instagram dj david atlas and uh thanks again for listening everybody we've got what this last tune is from 1926 to take you out tonight uh mr don bester and his orchestra Thank you.